Welcome, Welcome to the Nightly Rant with your hosts, Mike and Toria. This is the show where we examine society from a sarcastic point of view. If you like insane conversations, this is definitely the show for you. Let's get into today's topic. Do you own or operate a business? Well, we have a brand new show just for you. The Technology Alchemist is your source for technology advice, technology strategic planning, technology coaching, time-saving advice, and a pragmatic look at increasing revenue and profit through the use of your technology engine. You can find it at yogispodcastnetwork.com forward slash TTA show and any place you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe today. So two of us in the house have gotten haircuts since Sunday. I feel like the haircuts in this house have been kind of sexist lately. You got a haircut. The male dog got a haircut. My hair still looks like a freaking Chewbacca. And then Bree didn't get a haircut. <laughs> like, what is happening here? Well, your lady, beautician lady, is um, a little slow opening, I guess. I don't know. Hey, she's getting there. I'm so excited. It's happening. I know I know you are. And I know how it feels because I told my guy that I had a, a dead water buffalo on my head because I had so much hair. And I'm so glad it's gone now. And the dog's the same way. So, but... <laughs> Let's not let's not waste time talking about that today. Uh, we have a great guest on today, uh, Jordan Harbinger from the Jordan Harbinger Shows. Here, welcome to the show, Jordan. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's been a while since we had a guest. Yeah, it has. It's kind of exciting. Um, we have another one scheduled for next week, so that'll be fun. Um, but I wanted to talk about. There's a new report that came out from the CDC, and while it isn't loaded with numbers. When you read it carefully and you pull out the numbers that it has and you apply it to anyone who's been infected with COVID-19, it actually effectively lowers the death rate from like the 3 to 4% range to the 0.26% range. And uh, it's kind of shocking to me because didn't we just like lock down the entire world because this was going to be like the end of mankind as we know it? It might have actually been the end of mankind as we know it. People have gotten real weird. It, it's good news, though, right? That seems like a really low death rate, although I don't know how many people die from other things. I really have no clue. Uh, it also sounds like it, that doesn't include people that get injured by this. I know people that have been sick with it, and they really got really, really sick. But the idea that I could go to Safeway and then die within two weeks is I, it's nice to know that that's less likely than we thought. Well, right. And, and it, the interesting thing is there's been no, and I don't know how they know this, but this is what I've read. They, there's been no documented cases of anybody transmitting this out in the, out in the outside environment. It's all like close contact. Sure. Uh, hence, hence the six feet apart, wear a mask, et cetera. Um, but my opinion is that we went overboard and I'm, I'm when I say we I don't even mean the United States the whole entire world went crazy um, because of the World Health Organization's scare tactic and now we find out you know it's not transmittable on solid surfaces it's you know you don't have to wash your Amazon package when it comes to the house so think of all those people who ruined great Amazon merchandise because they washed it when it came in the house um, that, you know you don't have to do that anymore. But at the same time, you're right. It's really good news because um, 0.26% is pretty negligible. It's lower than the flu. And 
while this seems to be more contagious than that, like if you come into contact with somebody who has it, you're likely to get it. Whereas with the flu, it's 50, 50 chance. Mm -hmm. I still think it says a lot about society where we just fall in line. And it surprises me that as an, as Americans, especially we willingly gave up so many freedoms to deal with this. What do you think about that? Doesn't it make some sense though? Because in the beginning we didn't really know how deadly it was. And we just saw, Hey, this is some pretty contagious kind of nasty stuff going on. Doesn't it make sense to err in the one direction versus erring in the other direction? Because the consequences of not doing m enough about it could have been really bad had it been as deadly as everyone previously thought, right? So I tend to agree with that. But what about, say, SARS or MERS? Why didn't we do the same thing for that? I think probably we didn't have as much social media hysteria. So there's that. We also didn't have as many cases hitting our shores, I think initially, but I don't really know that I'd have to look up like SARS and MERS cases in the United States and Canada. Cause I don't, I don't actually have admittedly, I don't have any information for that, but I remember being, I remember that time quite well. And I remember thinking, oh, well, I don't know anybody who has this. It's all in Asia or this is all in the middle East. Whereas COVID somehow seemed a little bit more ubiquitous. And I think some of that has to do with the, the, you, well, I hate to reuse the word ubiquitous, but the ubiquity, does that count? Of international travel and people, you know, even in 2003 or when, when was SARS? It was forever ago. People weren't traveling internationally as much as they are now. So I think that just freaked everyone out. I mean, did you know anyone that went to China back then? I didn't. And now I know like tons of people that go there all the time. So I think that's really kind of what had freaked everyone out. Also, back then, China wasn't as much of a boogeyman, so we didn't have to think, oh my gosh, there's this Chinese disease and they're hiding this from us. Whereas now, we kind of know that the Communist Party lies through their teeth and makes things horrible for the whole world and gives zero craps about anybody else, including their own people. So it's scarier when something emerges from China because we think they're definitely lying about this and it's definitely worse than they say because... Tiananmen Square plus SARS plus everything else that's gone on in China. This is just the latest shenanigans from the Chinese Communist Party that they've lied about. So it's better to be like, eh, let's go ahead and make sure that we're more worried about this instead of less. Boogeyman is the best way I've ever heard that described, by the way. It is a boogeyman, right? Like, yeah, exactly. It's just like when anything else goes wrong. We're always looking for a boogeyman, and this time we actually got one. Uh, in the, but it's it's kind of a credible boogeyman because we already know even countries that normally look at China and or nor normally look at other places and go, uh, the United States, <laughs> they're just overreacting like Canada. Right. Wh who sort of very legitimately often goes, oh, USA. Hey, we're Canadian. Just so everybody knows different flag. Di not the, we're not the same. They were kind of the, one of the first ones affected by by this uh, whole Chinese Communist Party thing because, and I don't remember the story exactly, but the whole Huawei business where they arrested this woman who was a executive at Huawei for, I don't remember what, some sort of spyware business. We should probably look that up, but something where she had an international arrest warrant. And then they said, no, we're going to keep her here because, you know, she's a criminal. And they went, oh, we're, we're going to arrest random Canadian innocent people in China that did absolutely nothing on trumped up bullcrap because f you canada 86 something percent right like a lot of Can a lot of canada and i want to say it was 86 percent the due to survey data that i looked at even just recently today of canadians view china disfavorably that's a lot i mean you can't get it 
you can't really get people to agree to hate the same people or look on the same country disfavorably that much. And Canadians seem so nice. So for a, a huge majority of the country to look at China negatively, that says something, you know? I, I think of my Canadian friends and I'd say your 86% number is pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I looked at the survey data again. I don't know the source of the survey. It might've been like the, the John Oliver type show, but it was survey data that was taken from somewhere else that is not just made up by a website or a blog. And it was a shocking change in just from five years ago when Canada was kind of more 50, 50 on China. And seriously, who dislikes Canadians enough to just go arrest them for no reason? They're Canadians. That's right. That's right. They were just doing it because it was, Oh, well, you know, they arrested this executive and we're going to put political pressure on and, and Canada was like, no, this person's a criminal. So we're not going to go ahead and put up with that. And they went, oh, well, in that case, this professor at there's this university that teaches English is also a uh, criminal and he's going to rot in a Chinese prison. Meanwhile, this Huawei executive is probably doing fine in whatever the Canadian equivalent of Club Fed is. And this poor Canadian guy is in a Chinese prison God knows what's going on in there. I mean, I've been in bad Chinese hotels, so I can only imagine what a prison over there seems like. Well, it's an interesting transition to talk about China because you're right. The first thing you think of when you hear something came from China uh, and they admit that, you know, well, it's this bad. Uh, you think to yourself, if they're admitting it's that bad, it's probably a hundred times worse. Yeah, than Add a zero admitting. to the back of it, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're one of those countries, and and you're right. Like I, I actually was looking up what happened there, and I guess this is interesting to me that the Canadian courts said, well, while it's not illegal to do what you're doing right now in Canada, when the allegations happened back in 2018 it was illegal to do it here so we are going to hold you and extradite you to the united states then their chinese response oh hey we're going to grab two um canadians and call them spies and it's easy you know any nation in the world can do that and say oh you're a spy you could you could be on vacation with your wife and they could say oh he's a spy because they don't have to have any proof because they can just say oh national security can't talk about it national security um, it's sad, but that is the way the Chinese react. I mean, mm -hmm. we Trump puts tariffs on China, so China China screws us over even worse. Um, it's it's one of those things, and I think it's why so many people are calling for us to pull all of our manufacturing out of China and bring it back home because nobody wants to deal with China anymore. We don't want to deal with the lies. And but here's a question for you: So we floated on this show in one of our episodes that potentially this was. Um, a biological weapon. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I don't think so. I think at worst, well, look, again, this is, you're asking me my opinion. So this is, yeah. I've read up a lot on this. So I, look, we can always be wrong, but I'm more inclined to think incompetence, bad standards at a lab and or these wet markets, which are disgusting. I mean, I've seen them in Asia before and look, they're traditional, but they're really gross, really, really gross. And I'm not trying to be a cultural relativist or anything like that. We've had, we have gross stuff here in the United States too. If you've ever been to a factory farm, it's pretty freaking bogus. But to have a cage with a pangolin on top of a cage with an armadillo thingy, medudral, and then a bats, and then a, they're all crapping, whizzing on each other. And they're wild animals that were captured from a cave or something like that. They're not in, you know, not taken care of, not medicated. These things are sick as hell, spreading germs. And then you cook one up in a soup. 
Like I eat weird stuff all the time and I eat weird Asian food all the time. My extended family is Chinese. I married a, a Chinese woman. So it's not like it's, it's not a r cultural or racism thing. It's, it's just a dirty hygiene thing. I wouldn't want to eat something that was kept in such conditions anywhere in the world. Um, so it could have come from the wet market. It also could have come from a lab due to negligence or poor standards. Although I f feel like that's less likely I know some, there, there's a field of forensic biology, which is actually quite fascinating. And I asked a former head of the CDC, and I've also asked other scientists who look at, look at things under microscopes. And I'm like, can you tell if something like this is altered? And apparently it's really easy. So you could take, like if, if you were an amateur forensic biologist, you could find somebody who had COVID-19 and you could get a Petri dish and you could grow it in there and you could look at it and you could go, this is, something that evolved in nature or this is something that was spliced and cut up weird you can look at that and you can tell and the cat would have been out of the bag long ago because you would literally have university students who are post graduates in biology going look at this and posting it on the internet and going here's where they did something that isn't natural but nobody's doing that the only people crying about that are like weirdos on youtube or like judy mikovitz and plandemic or some other sort of total baloney <laughs> But, but here's what I want to understand with your opinion. So it, it, if it was in a, if it was in the lab, are you saying that because of poor cleanliness standards at the lab, somehow this virus came to be, or were they oh. messing with this virus? And because they didn't have good standards of keeping things under control, it got out. Yeah. Either one of those. I mean, it, it could have been. They could have been breeding different types of uh, viri in is viri viruses in the in the lab. They could have been. They could have just done other things that are dumb with the virus, and it could have gotten out. I mean, these like what are they called? Like level four bio labs. I know some of my show listeners from the Jordan Harbinger show work at places like this, and I've I've said like, hey, what are this? What are the security protocols like? Just out of curiosity, off the record, and they'll tell me you got to do this and this and this and this and this, and it's like suiting up, and there's rooms where you do this and you change your clothes out and everything. I mean, it's, you have to do that stuff because you're dealing with bacteria. You can't just be like, oh crap, wore my goggles to McDonald's. Let me throw those in my back pocket. Let me, give me some hand sanitizer. Like it doesn't work like that. These are very dangerous pieces of bacteria. So who knows, maybe they were doing stuff with animals in the lab or viruses in the lab and it mutated there. We don't know. Or maybe it mutated and it before and it was on somebody's arms or they got infected because they were using crappy breathing apparatus or whatever who knows and then they got out and infected their family and it started from there we just don't know and i don't think we ever will but what i'm saying is there's no evidence that somebody cooked it all up and made it and went look at i've got a human safe version of covid or coronavirus and it's really deadly and we don't have any immunity to this and then they threw it on their friend in the lab like there's no or or they went and spread it around deliberately that, that I don't necessarily believe, especially because if you're cooking up a bioweapon in China at a Chinese lab, do you then go, you know what? Let's infect everyone in our hometown with it. That seems like a great idea. Wouldn't you go somewhere else? Wouldn't you have saved it for the Tokyo Olympics and set it free over there so it spreads everywhere overnight immediately and nobody can tell where it came from? It just came from the Olympics in a country that isn't necessarily that friendly to you, Japan. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Why would you start by infecting yourself with a bioweapon? That's what makes me think this has to be some kind of accident, negligence, or simply nature. It makes sense. I mean, here, here's a question for you, though. Um, you know, we talked a little bit ago about how 
reacting the way we reacted is like more erring on the side of caution. Mm -hmm. But why is it that it was okay for Home Depot to be open? All the fast food drive-thrus are open. Uh, any number of large businesses, Walmart, Target, et cetera, et cetera. But yet the smaller mom and pop shops, which in my opinion would more likely be more careful. Um, why weren't they allowed to be open? I mean, well, how does that make sense? This to me just seems like classic lobbying power. Um, I don't really know. And again, I try to be careful of not talking, of talking on my, you know what, when I don't have actual evidence for anything, but it seems to me that if you're going to say, Hey, we're a local hardware store and we should be allowed to be open. Are you saying that those stores were not allowed to be open? I actually don't know that to be the case. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, They were closed. They were closed. Wow. That's see, that sucks. And that to me almost seems like Home Depot said, we're going to keep our locations open. And if anybody tries to say that this is a bad idea, they're going to say, Hey, we sell things that people really need. And these mom and pop shops just got a phone call from the mayor's office and they were like, you have to stay closed. And they went, well, what are we going to do? Hire Skadden, Arps and Flom to go to Supreme court of New York and keep us open. I mean, that's not going to happen. So I don't know if it's more, those businesses had the guts to do it because they knew they could fight the federal government or the local government in court and stay open. And that's just how it worked out. Or if it was kind of like, Hey, all we have to do is file this form. That's super complex and expensive, but I will have our legal department do it. And then we can stay open. Like, I don't really know how that works. But the results were, of course, that a lot of big companies were allowed to stay open. I do know that a lot of small businesses stayed open in my area here in San Jose, California. I don't know how they decide whether or not they are essential. I do know some businesses get cited or got cited. Uh, one was a CrossFit gym, and he said, oh, I'm an essential business because I sell you know, protein bars and protein shakes or whatever, and he got fined 10 grand. I think that's a stretch to say you're an essential business at that point. Um, I do know that I can't get a freaking haircut to save my life over here, unlike some people who look pretty sharp today. <laughs> um, but I, so I don't know how that works, but I, to me, it just smacks of big companies saying, come at me, bro. And the government being like, "Ugh, we have other things we got to deal with. What are we going to do? Sue Home Depot. And then they say we're essential. Look at all the, you know, rat traps we're selling. I mean, that's how it was going to shake out anyway. It was probably a foregone conclusion. Because imagine, it's going to take three years for the suit to go through while they fight it here and there and everywhere. So why bother? They just knew that those guys were going to get away with it, so they did. Well, it reminds me, Toru, you always say something about people screaming the loudest. What is it they usually say about that? Just because the people who are screaming the loudest are screaming the loudest doesn't mean they're right. Right. And it seems like in this <laughs> instance, though, that's what's happened. I think Jordan's absolutely right about that. I mean, I give you an example. I have a friend who has a gym down in uh, Oceanside, California. And on May 8th, he opened his gym. He was done with this. So he opened his gym and he put in a lot of like one hour session, come by by appointment only, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And on May 10th, he was arrested for opening oh. his gym. And Whoa. then, and then though he stayed open and they told him, if you stay open, we're going to put you in jail. We're not just going to cite you and let you go. So you stay open. So then he got on all these news channels nationwide and suddenly they left him alone. Kind of seems, like, yeah. seems like if you have a platform where you can yell and scream and hear, have people hear you, they look the other way. And that's sort of what bothers me about this. Cause I'm a big believer I always say my, my, my listeners know that 
I believe that my rights end where your rights begin and vice versa. So I'm a big believer that when I'm in my own home and I'm not affecting anybody else, I should be allowed to virtually do whatever I want um, until it begins to affect other people. Then we have to have, you know, society has to have rules in order to, you know, make people commingle correctly. I mean, we're, we're kind of a crappy group of people when you think about it, because people always think about, I have another friend that always says you can count on people to do one thing and one thing only. And mm-hmm. that's think about themselves. And he's not wrong about that. Like if you really think about it, people do think about themselves, but it bugs me that if you're loud, suddenly by being loud, you can accomplish staying in business while other people are being choked out of their jobs, their livelihoods. And I mean, I really don't know how, I I mean to say, I really don't know how long it's going to take us to come back out of this. This is, we we basically stuff ourselves into a recession. Definitely. And uh, I mean, look, my barber had a baby and he hasn't been able to give a haircut for, I don't know, since March something, something, and it's freaking June. So- You know, how's that guy making money? He's not, you know, he's not, he's a serviceman. So it's, he's probably burned through his savings. He's probably maxed out his credit cards. He's probably borrowed money from his family. I mean, he is not in a good position. Uh, And I can only imagine how many people are in that position. And yeah, it's horrible to see that because it really has kind of said to everyone, hey, you know, why even, unfortunately, what it says to a lot of people is why even try, you're never going to get any help from the, the government. Like you're going to get, you're going to apply for the federal government to help you. And then freaking Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and Shake Shack are going to take your money uh, that was meant for you on some technicality and then be shamed into giving it back, thankfully. But not everybody. I mean, a lot of big businesses took that. And even then, so what? Like you get this subsidy check for X dollars. I mean, nobody's really surviving on that so it's it it is a huge bummer because i see these businesses and i I what was the stat it was like something like 25 percent of all restaurants in the united states are going to go out or are are already out of business like they're not open anymore at all they're not not they're not just doing delivery they're not doing they're just never coming back or they're not uh, operating now and they're not going to be able to open up tomorrow they're not on a hiatus they're done because I saw from the California Restaurants Association that 30% of restaurants in California will never reopen again. Yeah. Starting starting with soup plantation. Uh well, I don't miss them. I won't miss them. But <laughs> like, you know, no, I'm just I'm just kidding. I've I've been there. It's fine. But like there's plenty of people, and that's that's a chain that's probably owned by another big chain that's probably owned by another big brand. Like, what do I know? It seems like that type of it's like Panera, right? They're they're around, they're probably owned by some restaurant group. But the problem is, what about the Chinese people that own the restaurant that you go to all the time, uh, you know, that like my family, uh, we have ton again, I married a, a Taiwanese and, and we go out to Chinese restaurants, Taiwanese restaurants, Korean restaurants all the time. Again, I live in San Jose, California. So that's like what, what what's around. And we love that kind of food. And a lot of those places are closed. And it's like, that was their retirement. That was their family business. Everyone in their family worked there. And we have restaurant owners in our own family that just decided, you know what? Screw this. I own property. I'm not going to run a restaurant. It's a huge pain. So now she's just a landlord. She's like, screw this. This business sucks. So everybody who worked there just is out of the job now forever because she's not going to reopen. She's just going to be the landlord of the property and it's, it's easier. Well, and that's true. Like uh, one of the problems when I, I always cringe when society recommends that the government uh, do something to help people because the government can't even help itself, let alone help people. So yeah. b- it bugs me. But 
in this case, their reaction, especially locally, was, all right, we're going to make it so that you can't evict any of these any of these tenants. You cannot evict them. But it didn't address the fact that for three months, they're going to be owing rent. They may not be paying it, but they owe it. And they have no income. So when they reopen, where are they going to get the money to pay the past due rent? And then on the flip side of that, what about the landlords whose business it is to collect the rent for the properties that they pay for? So you kind of have this situation where you can't really help both sides. It's almost impossible because by helping the one side, the tenant, you kill the landlord. And if you continue to support the landlord, you kill the tenant. Um, like in our, we, we actually, it's interesting. Um, March 13th was when they announced in our area that school was closed and would be remote only. And we were in the process of moving from one place to another. And since we've lived in this new um, apartment, we have not had to pay full rent because we have ethical management company. We have like a bunch of amenities here. You know, we have a, a couple swimming pools. We have multiple laundry rooms. And because our access to those things have been limited, they've been discounting our rent. And that's in that, to my way of thinking, that's landlord working with tenant to yeah. make things better. But yeah. then where we came from, they're raising people's rents during wow, this. Wow, like, because they're suffering in other areas. Yeah, they have people yeah. that aren't paying. So they're like, hey, you can pay? Cool, this a-hole's not paying, so you get to pay $300 more because I got to subsidize this yutz who decided that he's going to just not pay me. Or the guy's out of the job and can't pay, which is fair. I mean, I'm yeah. not trying to be a jerk, obviously. Yeah, well, unlike I mean, a Irvine Company. Irvine Company is probably the biggest tenant in Orange, our landlord in Orange County. And what they're doing is they're offering, they're saying, all right, However many months you go without paying your rent, you're going to have twice as much many months to pay us back. So if it's six months, you're going to have a year to pay us back. I think that's a very fair, reasonable way to approach it because most people can come up with the rent plus a percentage if they tighten their belts in other places. Mm -hmm. But to look at them and say, hey, you haven't paid us rent in six months. So either now that we're allowed to evict you, either you pay us or you're out, that would be nasty. But yeah. here's here's what I don't understand either is like well I shouldn't say I don't understand what I what I've observed is as you know pretty divided country I mean uh, half the people support the president half the people don't support the president half the people want him voted out half the people want him to have another 4 years I mean don't care where anyone stands on that it's it's your thing but even this pandemic issue has a split right down the middle. I mean, you got people saying, oh, people are protesting to reopen. They should have to sign a waiver saying they won't accept any medical treatment. Yet those are the same people who have been screaming for years that healthcare is a right, not a privilege. So what happens is all logic goes out the window in order to defend your party's position on an issue. And I hope that people start to realize how disingenuous it is. And I want to say to you, thank you, because you have your um, six-minute networking course that I went through many months back. Mm -hmm. And I've been, I've been using it religiously, especially during this pandemic, because I've said to Toria right away, I want to be somebody who people know I'm there for them. Like, how many people are just by themselves and have nobody to talk to during this whole time? And totally. I've... I've had so many people say, oh, it's so nice to hear from you after all this time. And 
it's going, they're going to remember me later because of that. Um, and it was just totally natural for me to just, you know, I love what you say in there, like go to the bottom of your text message threads and find the last people. Cause it's, when I looked back the first time I did it, it had been over a year that I contacted any of those people. Wow. Yeah. And, and it just reconnects you. And so that then when this pandemic happened, uh, it was natural for them to talk to me. And some people did tell me I'm really lonely, Mike. I have nobody. I'm just oh, out man. here by myself. And I just told them, Hey, reach out to me anytime, pick the phone up and call me. We can talk. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel like society, I hope that society realizes through all of this, that we're better off joining together than continually fighting with each other. Unfortunately, I don't think we will. Yeah, I know. That's some good wishful thinking. But I also, I think there is some good result that can come of this because I think people are going to be very starved to meet and talk with one another. Look, there's going to be plenty of people who won't go outside for like two years. I get that. But there's also going to be plenty of people who go, wow, I need to I need to go out more. I need to travel more. I need to get together with my friends more because man, you know that I really missed doing, you know, I worked way too hard. Um, and a lot of people are going to be going, life's too short. Why do I work at Apple? You know, they're going to go and do something else. They're going to do something that they find more meaning and value in because right now there's a lot of people working from home in this crisis that are probably going, Hey, it's a lot harder to hide from my problems when my work area is also my kitchen, which is also my living room which is in like, you know, they're going to find out that their relationship needs work or that their career choice isn't really for them and that they were just sort of using other things to escape, but now they can't escape. So hopefully there's going to be some good that comes from this uh, as well. I I do think that there's going to be an an increased social element. And I I do hope that people realize that we are literally all in this together. And the idea that we need to work ourselves out of this recession is, is there. I do think that it could be damaged, especially if we find out more companies like freaking Ruth's Chris Shake Shack, or Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and Shake Shack are, are taking money that's meant for us because they're they're jerks. Like that's not cool, and we're gonna have to put, a, a, we're gonna have to really kick those guys in the nuts economically later and go like this is not okay. You know, you have to be stand up, folks. Um, to talk about how we're all in this together, like those airline emails you get from the CEO, like. Just want to let you know, we're all in this together. Cool. Where were you when my bag was 51 pounds? You know, come on. Right. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's the interesting, that, that's the interesting thing about all of this too, is you're dealing with a worldwide issue. So, uh, all the people like I, I get a kick out of, I, I am, my listeners know I'm not a president Trump fan at all. I think that, uh, we need we deserve better than someone who makes up stories and, you know, whatever else. But and, and I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, whatever you are. I think you need to people need to see that. They're like, mm-hmm. this is what the world is looking at. Our leader lies all the time. And yes, we know leaders have always lied for all time, but he blatantly lies. Mm-hmm. And all the leftist be careful. Well, exactly. <laughs> Funny. Um, it's happened to her before. But but the thing is. You got people blaming him for the pandemic itself. Now, you want to blame him for his response to it? Great. It's his job to, to respond to it. But saying he caused it, how? Like, how did he cause it? Where, where did it come from? And there's zero logic to any of that. And that's why I say I really hope people start to open their eyes and think about what it is they're saying. You made the great point, you know, when we were talking earlier about, you know, if if someone says to you, no, you're wrong, um, and you go, well, here's my scientific journal article that says I'm right, and they still say you're wrong, mm-hmm. that's willful ignorance, right? Yes. Like they, 
don't care about the truth. And I'm hoping, like I've noticed, like for instance, this past weekend was the first time in our area where restaurants were open, where you could go inside, sit down at a restaurant. So you can't believe the excitement we had going yeah. and sitting down at a restaurant. You're like, wow, I haven't done this in months. And people were so friendly, uh, cooperative. No one was complaining. And I really hope that holds. I just don't think it will. And it's sad because it's Toria always likes to say, we need to learn from history uh, and not repeat those mistakes. But yet... We're going Hope to repeat you. those mistakes. We're going to start to be nasty again, and people are going to push and shove to get in lines, and yeah. they're going to ignore the six-foot distance and all of that. Um, like I say, I'm opposed. Like Personally, I'm opposed to the masks. I'm opposed to the restrictions. But because it's what society asks for in public, I'm fine with it. I'll do it. You know, I'm not going to be the jerk that's like, no, I'm, you, you go ahead and throw me out. I'm not wearing my mask. Right. Um, but I just hope that we... And I know it's a pipe dream, but I really hope that we learn from this and continue to be friendlier to one another, more social, like you say. Mm -hmm. um, it cracks me up when you talk about social media. It's the most non-social thing there is because people are buried in their phone rather than with each other. Um, and I think that's what hopefully people realize out of this is human interaction is way more important than sitting there and arguing with somebody about some nitpicky point about some bill that's going to pass in Congress. It's just craziness. So anyway, well, I really appreciate your time today and being on with us. It yeah, was thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure to have you. Um, why don't you let people know how they can find you? Sure. Since you're listening to a podcast right now, I, I would love it if people would listen to the Jordan Harbinger show. It's uh I try to have smart people on and, and get the best out of them and give get practical things that the audience can use for themselves to get better. Like you mentioned, the networking class that's free, six-minute networking. And I've got everybody on the show from Bob Saget all the way to, you know, neuroscientists. So I, it runs the gamut, and I hope people check out the Jordan Harbinger show and enjoy it. And I'm at Jordan Harbinger on social media or anti-social media as well. <laughs> yeah, I love, I actually am a big fan of your show. I think Thank you. what I like about it is the diverse diversity of the guests. It's just, you can listen one day and it's one thing and another day and it's another thing. And it's just, it's great. So I appreciate uh, that again. Thanks for your time. And you. um, we appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thank you. And on uh, that exciting note, good night, everyone. Hasta la bye bye. Thank you for listening to the nightly rant. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. If you didn't enjoy the show, please just ignore that previous request for a rating. This has been a Yogi's Podcast Network production. <laughs>